Welcome to the Battle Cry Podcast with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. You can watch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Convention of States Facebook and Rumble channels. Hey guys, Mark Meckler here. Welcome to the Sunday Night Battle Cry. I'm home, which is always good on a Sunday night. And I want to talk to you guys today about our action item. Our action item is pay attention to things and the important things. Pay attention to them continuously. I want to explain what I mean about that because it's probably different than what you're thinking. You know, when I say pay attention to the important things, you might be thinking of Tucker Carlson and what's going on with the J6 tapes. You might be thinking of hearings in Congress about Twitter. And we're going to talk about that stuff for sure. And those things are important. You might be talking about what's going on with China uh, and what's going on globally. You know, China just cut a, a trade deal or just a peace deal that they announced with Iran and Russia, cooperation with Saudi Arabia. That's important. Maybe I'm talking about that. Maybe I'm talking about what's going on with convention of states around the country. Maybe that's one of the things that you should pay attention to. And I would say all of those things are important, but I would say they're not the most important things. The most important things that you should be paying attention to and paying attention to them continuously are things that sometimes we lose sight of amidst the chaos of the country, amidst the chaos of the world and the uncertainty in the world. And those things are your relationship with God. I hope you have one. If you don't, maybe you should seek one. I think it would be good for you. Your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your kids your relationship with your broader family, your relationship with your community, with your friends. Look, this is where real meaning is found in life. This is where happiness is found in life. This is where gratitude comes from. When you find yourself in good relationship with God, with your spouse, with your kids, with your family, in your community, when you got good friends, then you're grateful. And gratitude is one of the most important things you can have. So those are things that you should be paying attention to continuously. One of the things I try to do is remember every day how grateful I am for what's going on in my life. This week is my birthday. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that more later. And one of the things I do on my birthday is just try to be grateful and remember, count my blessings. Look at the fact that I have a great wife, I have great kids, I have great parents, and be grateful for all that stuff. So if you pay attention to those things, if you pay attention continuously, to the relationships in your life. You're going to live a better life. And that's more important than paying attention to politics. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't pay attention to politics and what's going on in the world. Obviously, that's what I do for a living. So I think you should pay attention to that stuff. It's just not continuous. And it's good to check out once in a while, even if it's only on Sundays or you say after 6 p.m. every night, I'm not going to pay attention to this stuff anymore. But pay attention continuously to the things that matter and you're going to have a better life. And that's what I want for you. All right, let's talk about important things, but things that are not necessarily you have to pay attention to continuously. You don't have to pay attention to this one continuously because Tucker Carlson is doing an incredible job and he's paying attention for you. So go ahead, producer G, roll that tape. Liars are touchy sometimes to the point of hysteria. They're hiding something. That's the whole point of lying. And they're worried you're going to find out what it is. Liars are fragile because over time, lying makes you weak and afraid. It has the same effect on countries, by the way. We're living through one of those clarifying moments, which actually we're thankful for, where we're learning exactly who the liars are. On Monday, we showed you unreleased videotape from January 6th. It proved, that tape proved, that three of the most important claims our leaders have made about that day 
were untrue. Their claims were lies. We were not shocked to discover that. We knew there was a reason that congressional leaders had been hiding the tape and that reporters in Washington weren't demanding to see it. They were lying to us, obviously. That's why you hide things. But what was actually surprising, and we can't quite get over even now, is how they responded when they were caught lying. They didn't seem embarrassed. They didn't apologize. They weren't even curious to learn more about what actually happened on January 6th. Let's see the tape. No, they didn't want to see it. They exploded in rage. And then, as liars tend to do, they doubled down. They told the same lies they'd been caught telling, but with even greater aggression this time. Shut up, it's midnight, they said as the sun rose behind them. Who acts like that? Well, sociopaths do. And in this case, the sociopaths turned out to be both Democrats and Republicans. The commitment to lying in Washington is far deeper and more bipartisan even than we realize. We yeah, that's incredible. I mean, that, that's something to me that's really important for you to see and you to know that these people in Washington, D.C. are lying to us. It's something we should pay attention to, again, not continuously, but Tucker's doing an incredible service for the country. He and his staff going through thousands and thousands of hours of tape, 40,000 hours of tape, if the number is correct, to find the things that they're not telling us, the things that they were hiding. We now know, for example, that there, these tapes were edited that the J6 committee released. There's no sound on these tapes. And the reason there's no sound on these tapes is because these are security cameras, like you might see in a bank or any Capitol building, and they're you know tucked up in the corners or in the ceilings, and they are just grainy kind of black and white security tapes, and they don't have sound to them. And so when they released tapes to us and there were sounds of violence and crashing and screaming and yelling, that was fake. I mean, that is literally fake news. And the J6 committee, Congress, the Democrats brought that to you. And it, by the way, not just Democrats, we had Adam Kinzinger on that committee, right? No longer in Congress, thank goodness. Uh, and we had other people who like played this out all across the country and it wasn't true. It was absolutely fake. And so this is not to say, and I wanna clarify, that there was no violence that day. There was violence that day. That was not to say there's no property destruction on January 6th. There was property destruction on January 6th. And those who engaged in violence or property destruction should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. But there are a lot of people that it doesn't look like they did the things that the J6 committee that they did said they did or that they're being prosecuted for. Uh, look, let's look at whatever his name is, Buffalo Man, Shaman Man, right? We see him on these tapes wandering through the Capitol escorted by police. He doesn't look very violent. In fact, he doesn't look violent at all. And if they were worried about him doing violence at any point in the tapes we've seen, they could have taken him down easily, no problem, with literally no violence. At one point, he walks through a crowd of six or seven police officers. He's clearly unarmed. He's clearly not behaving violently or erratically. I got to say, a guy with a painted face and a buffalo hat walking through the Capitol probably is an erratic person, but he certainly doesn't look too dangerous, and he's certainly outnumbered by armed police officers all over the place who could have stopped him at any time. So why the narrative? Why the lies? And the answer is because they wanted January 6th to look like something much worse than it was. Again, not that it wasn't bad. People shouldn't break into the Capitol. People shouldn't vandalize the Capitol. But when you see police officers guiding people through the Capitol, you know something's not right. I mean, if you watch the tapes like I watch the tapes on Tucker, you got to be kind of suspicious. Another narrative that was blown up is about Officer Brian Sicknick. 
Sicknick dies after the events at the Capitol on January 6th. The left still says, and media figures and political figures on the left still say that Sicknick was killed in the line of duty. Initially, it was he was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher, right? The reality is we have videotapes of Sicknick walking through the Capitol. By the way, he's, he's wearing a helmet, first of all. Second of all, it turns out he was never hit in the head with a fire extinguisher, and he died of natural causes. And we have pictures of him after he was allegedly assaulted, which it appears he wasn't now, which the inspector's report says he wasn't now. He died from natural causes. We have video of him wandering through the Capitol, putting the lie to the idea that Sicknick died in the line of duty. Again, it's sad that an officer died a day after, a couple of days after of strokes, and that's what happened to him, but it has nothing to do with his injuries on January 6th. He didn't die in the line of duty, and this is a lie that was proposed and pushed and fostered by the J6 committee. Now we have the chair of the J6 committee coming out and telling us, hey, I never saw any of the tape. This isn't really my fault because... You know, we hired a television producer to do all this and create a television show. And we had some staffers who looked at the tape. And frankly, I don't even think we had access to the tape. And he doesn't talk about whether he asked for access to the tape or whether anybody wanted to see all the tape or what they were trying to do with the tape because they were pushing a particular narrative. And that narrative was to lie to the American people. The narrative was not to find out the truth, not to say, hey, what went wrong? How did people get in the Capitol? Why didn't we have a proper police presence? Who's really responsible for this? The narrative was Republicans are bad. The narrative was this is all Trump's fault. The narrative was that all those people that were at that rally that day with President Trump, when President Trump said he wanted people to peacefully protest, instead the narrative was that President Trump wanted an insurrection, a violent insurrection, that everybody from that rally went down when the truth is only a very few people did compared to the number that were at the rally. The narrative is that everybody that went inside that building was violent and aggressive with the police. The truth is it appears it was only a few people. The narrative is that if you're a Republican or if you're somebody who voted for Donald Trump, you're the same as the people who did the violence. You're an insurrectionist, you're a terrorist. And that's the way the Democrat Party wants you treated. And thank God for Tucker Carlson for having the fortitude to step up and do this. And I don't normally say this, but thank God for Kevin McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy, for having the fortitude to release all this tape. Now, you got a bunch of the other media outlets saying, it's not fair because you didn't give us the tape. You didn't want the tape. When did you ask for the tape? Because I didn't hear you, CNN, or you, ABC, or NBC, or PBS, or anybody else, any of you lefty outlets, I didn't hear you demanding the release of the tape previously. Those of us on the right, we demanded the release of the tape. The media on the right demanded the release of all tape. But you didn't. You didn't want it. Because you were happy to play into the lying narrative of the radical left in Congress of the radical left generally, about some giant conspiracy, about undercutting President Trump, about attacking all Republicans. That's what you were doing. And you only want the tape now because Tucker Carlson's got the tape. And now he has the narrative because he has the tape and he can show you what he thinks we ought to see, not what you think we ought to see, which is what we've been seeing all along. So don't whine about not having the tape because you could have demanded that tape at any time and you didn't. And also, look at what's going on, how Tucker Carlson is now being treated. 
Chuck Schumer directly attacking Tucker Carlson and saying Fox News should stop him from doing this, demanding he be taken off the air. The View demanding that he be taken off the air. All these quote-unquote journalists saying that Tucker Carlson isn't doing real journalism when, in fact, it appears maybe he's the only one doing real journalism on this subject because he's the only one with the evidence. But this is, make no mistake, a war on free speech. See, because they don't want you to have the evidence. They don't want me to have the evidence. They don't want any regular people to see the evidence because they want to control that which you see and thereby try to control that which you think. But that's not working for them anymore. It's worked for a while. It's not working anymore. And there's a related story going on right now. I got to say one last thing. Oh, thank God for Tucker. I can tell you, I texted with him not too long ago. He says he's having fun. So he's under assault from the White House, from Schumer, from everybody else. He's having the time of his life. So just prayers and support for Tucker and his family as he continues to do yeoman's work on J6. Mark Meckler is fighting every day to help call the first ever Article 5 Convention of States. Go to conventionofstates.com pod to become part of the solution as big as the problem. The related story is Twitter testimony in Congress. I don't know if you caught this again, important. You don't gotta catch everything. I'll catch a bunch of it for you. Tucker will get the majority of it for you. Ben Shapiro, all these guys who do it every day. You don't have to watch all of it, but we had testimony this week in Congress from Michael Schellenberger, Matt Taibbi, uh, Barry Weiss couldn't make it, but this is about the Twitter files and what the government was doing, many agencies of the government to conspire with big tech to suppress stories. And I mean, I got to say, God bless Michael Schellenberger, Matt Taibbi for the boldness. And by the way, these are not right wingers. God bless them for the boldness to tell the truth in an era when telling the truth is actually very dangerous. And these guys are being attacked by Congress, by, by Democrats in Congress, by the media for actually doing real journalism. Yeah, that's what they're doing. They're actually reporting. They're actually reading the Twitter files and they're actually reporting on that stuff and they're being attacked for that. And basically what they're saying is the government colluded, worked with, hand in hand, big tech to silence stories. To silence, for example, a story that's really rolling up right now, getting big, really bubbling up to the surface, the Wuhan lab leak. Hey, by the way, did you know it was a Wuhan lab leak? See, I knew that because it was the thing that made the most sense. You knew that because we actually follow the evidence. We follow logic and reason. But it turns out Fauci was suppressing that story. It turns out that big tech was working with the government to suppress that story. And thank God again for Schellenberger and Taibbi and Barry Weiss and other people who are willing to put that stuff out there and speak the truth, regardless of the consequences. These are truth tellers in an era when it's dangerous to tell the truth. They told the truth about the Hunter Biden laptop story, suppressed, right? The Washington Post was suppressed in telling that story, the real story. We now know exactly how that happened at Twitter, thanks to Schellenberger, Taibbi, and Barry Weiss. And we have to support people like this who are willing to do real journalism. And what happens when real, actual journalism is being done the curtains get pulled back from what's going on in Congress and the collusion between big tech and government, which is actually now, I believe, they've crossed the line into state actors. It's a violation of the First Amendment. And these people are pulling back the curtains to show us what's going on. B 
being a truth teller in an area where you get punished for telling the truth in an era where you get punished for telling the truth is one of the most important things you can do. And you might not be a reporter. You might not be a political figure like me. You might not be somebody like Tucker or Ben Shapiro. Most of us aren't, but you can tell the truth. You can speak plainly and boldly about what you know, even when it's uncomfortable, even when other people are going to get angry for you. We need to be truth tellers right now. Speaking of telling the truth, we've been out on the road. We've been working for COS all over the country, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, North Carolina. It's been busy out there. Iowa. Uh, I was in North Carolina recently, or sorry, Iowa recently, working in the House of Representatives there and the Senate. Uh, Mike Ferris was there. Rick Santorum was there. Really great lobbying. I think we got a lot of momentum in Iowa. I'm pretty excited about that. Speaking of momentum, the North Carolina House passed this week in an overwhelming House vote. We're super excited. It literally came out of committee, went to the floor, and passed the same day. I mean, that's exactly what we want to see, that kind of exciting momentum. So I'm jacked up about that. Now it's on to the House. I'm sorry, now on to the Senate. Uh, and in the Senate, it's a little bit tighter in the Senate, so we're working there. I'm going to be there next week in North Carolina. I'm super excited about that. I'm actually starting my week in Colorado, in Colorado Springs, meeting with some donors and supporters there. Then I'm on to North Carolina. I think I come home on Friday. I don't know. It's hard to remember how much I'm on the road, but look for the town halls in North Carolina. And if you can make it, I'm going to see you there. Put the pressure on the Senate. If you're in North Carolina, call your senators, tell them you want to pass the Convention of States resolution. So this week, I think I mentioned this early on, it's my birthday week and I'm officially an older guy. I'm not going to say old because I don't want to insult any of you who are watching, but I'm 61 years old and Winston turned one year old, right, Winston? Oh, you can't see me sleeping over. Come here, Winston. Come on, get up. Come here, buddy. Come here. Come here. Oh, the big stretch. So Winston, it's been a rough week. Come here, buddy. Winston turned one year old this week. Now, a lot of you guys got to see him when he was just a puppy. So he's now about 130 pounds. He's tired. He wants to go back in Napa. I interrupted him for his cameo. But he is a one-year-old. It's easy to remember his birthday because it's my birthday. I'm 61, so I'm 60 years older than Winston. Uh, thanks for all the happy birthday wishes. I got a whole bunch of them from you guys. I super appreciate it. Really good stuff out there. One last thing before we go to Q&A, I want to talk about when I'm out in the field, one of the things that I hear I was in Texas this week testifying in the Texas legislature, and we were testifying for the removal of the sunset clause on the Texas resolution. And we get folks that come in, and they're from Eagle Form and, or the John Birch Society. And I don't, I look, I don't mind when they make good faith arguments against it. What I do mind is when they lie. And I'm going to say just straight up, the Eagle Form lies and the John Birch Society lies. And I'm going to tell you what a couple of those lies are, and it just infuriates me. I'm going to tell you what happens when we actually confront them in those lies. So Eagle Forum and John Birch decided to get up there and they say the 1787 convention was a runaway convention. It was not a runaway convention. That's a slander against the framers of the Constitution. They had full authority to do what they were supposed to do, what they went to do, which is to revise whatever they needed to revise from beginning to end in order to make the federal government work. That's what they were sent to do by their states. The idea that Washington and Madison and Adams, all these guys would have been sent to do the right thing in regard to con convention to that, that a guy like Washington, imagine this sitting up on the dais. You guys know the scene, the famous chair with the sun rising on the back that Benjamin Franklin describes the idea that Washington would ignore the instructions 
that all the delegates were given and just say, I'm going to do whatever I want is outrageous. It was not a runaway convention. They had full authority to do what they did. The states granted them authority in their commissions. You can actually read those commissions. So when they get up and they say this over and over, we've disproven that. Mike Ferris wrote an entire law review article on it in the Harvard Journal of Law and Business. It's like a 90-page, fully footnoted article. It's the definitive article on this. Rob Nadelson has written about it. So now, when people say 1787 was a runaway, sorry, they're lying. Because they know these articles are out there. We've pointed out to them. We also had uh, a guy named Fred that follows me around and harasses me wherever I go. Older guy from the John Burke Society. And Fred uh, likes to say things that aren't true. And, and when I say he harasses me, he literally walks up to me just starts talking to me, asks me questions, won't let me answer the questions. I'm always very polite to him. So yesterday, Fred stood up in committee testimony and said that we were supporting some kind of an effort in Congress so that all applications that have ever been made could be aggregated. Now, I've spoken out against this. The applications have to be virtually identical in order to be aggregated to get to 34. That's why we've never had a convention before. I've absolutely unequivocally spoken out against this. And so I walked up to Fred after the hearing yesterday and shook his hand, thanked him for being there and testifying, it was very polite. And I said, but you need to stop issuing this slander because I've spoken out against the things that you say that we support. Our organization doesn't support that. And he said, I don't want to talk to you, <laughs> literally. And he turned and walked away. And I just started walking with him in the Texas legislature. And I just said, Fred, this is just, it's not true. You're lying and it's dishonest. And you shouldn't lie and you shouldn't be dishonest. You certainly shouldn't go into a committee hearing and lie and be dishonest when you're speaking to members of a state legislature. And he said, get away from me. Don't talk to me. And they like started to get really agitated. And I said, I'm not going to get away from you. I want you to tell me you're going to quit lying and you're going to quit slandering. And he finally walked up to a state trooper and said, I was harassing him. I mean, this is so this is the kind of people that we deal with when we're out there. They're liars and they're cowards. He's not even willing to have the discussion with me. He's not even willing to answer the claims that I'm making that what he's saying is untrue. It's untrue because he's saying, I said something that I never said. And so when you deal with the John Burke Society or when you deal with the Eagle Forum on this issue, I'm not saying generally speaking, I'm saying on this issue, these are liars and cowards. And I'm just going to say that directly and I will get some blowback for this. I shouldn't be so harsh. I shouldn't be so strong about this. But if they're going to lie about me, if they're going to lie about you, if they're going to lie about what we stand for, if they're going to lie about the framers of the Constitution, then I'm going to call it out for what it is. And I'm going to call a liar a liar and a coward a coward. And I actually told Fred yesterday, I said, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself. You're a liar and a coward. You're saying things that aren't true and you're too scared to even have the conversation with me. You go get a state trooper and try to get him to intervene as if I'm doing something to you other than trying to have a conversation. And lying and cowardice are the hallmarks of the radical left in America. They shouldn't be hallmarks of people who call them conservatives. So if you're hearing these things and you hear them from people on Eagle Forum or people from John Burke Society and they're lying and they refuse to have just a regular discussion with you, that's because they're cowards. You should call them out for it because that's the truth. We started this by saying that Tucker Carlson is speaking the truth in the age when it's dangerous to do so. Schellenberger, Taibbi, Barry Weiss speaking the truth in an age when it's dangerous to do so. And so you should do the same thing. I'm going to keep doing the same thing on your behalf. So I've got a few questions here for our Q&A. 
Alex Gallimore asks, what are your thoughts on James O'Keefe being forced out of Project Veritas? Disgusting, despicable, offensive, revolting. Look, this looks like it was led by a guy by the name of Matthew Tiermond, who was on the board. I, I don't know what his problem is. It seems like it's ego. It seems like, frankly, he's lost his mind. It, does, it seems like he's gone crazy. Literally, maybe he wants to take over. He thinks he can be Project Veritas without James. By the way, there is no Project Veritas without James. I'm going to tell you, I no longer support Project Veritas. I don't link to their videos. I took myself off their mailing list. You should do the same. And I can tell you, I know James well. We talk pretty regularly. Uh, he is a good friend of mine. We've been good friends for a long time. He is a friend of Convention of States. I can tell you, James will form up a new organization. That is happening. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to support whatever James does. I will help James in whatever way I can. And this is one of those inside attacks. And look, I don't know why exactly it happened. I do think it's highly suspect that you have the biggest story in the history of Project Veritas, the Pfizer story, that blows up and then the board gets rid of James. I'm, I don't know why. Look, I'm just going to make a logical inference. Is it some kind of Pfizer influence? Is it money? Is it threats? I have no idea what it is. The stuff that they've alleged James did, look, even if you took all of it as true, which I don't because I know and love James, I'm not saying James is always easy, but I know and love James. And so what I would say is even if you took all of that, most of us would say, mm. I know sometimes CEOs are a little bit wild. And if James was a little bit wild, I don't, I'm not critiquing that. I'm just saying publicly he's trying to humiliate somebody and remove them like that. That doesn't make any sense. So I don't know why they did it, but I am 100% in with James O'Keefe. All right, Hoover asks, uh, oh, sorry, let's go to Mr. Deplorable. I love that name. Why would anyone vote no about this convention of states? I would say because they're radical leftists, statist totalitarians who like the federal government the way it is. That's one group of people. Or they're cowards. They just lack the courage to take the actions necessary to save the nation. And to those people who are just too afraid, and I hear those words, I'm afraid, I'm worried, I'm concerned. I say, thank God you weren't among the patriots who were called on to fight the American Revolution. By the way, a lot of people said that. And thank God the rest of them, about 30, 33% of them were willing to stand for the American Revolution and they saved the country for everybody. And that's what we're going to do. If you're in Mr. Deplorable, like I'm in, you and I and everybody else out there, we're going to save the country for those who are not willing to stand and fight. We're going to push back really hard against the people, especially on the right, who are against this. If they weren't against this, by the way, we'd be a lot closer right now. Uh, finally, Hoover says, what kind of amendments are we talking about? We're talking about things like a balanced budget amendment. We're talking about limiting taxes, putting spending caps and taxation caps in place. We're talking about things like a single subject amendment that would say, can't have omnibus bills. One subject per bill. Imagine what a limitation that would be on the amount of work that Congress could get done, or I should say more aptly, the amount of trouble that they could cause in a single section. We're talking about term limits on not only elected officials, but term limits on bureaucrats and staffers who were never meant to be there for 30 or 40 years. Think of Dr. Fauci, who's been there through five presidents who became the most powerful bureaucrat, I would say the most powerful politician in the United States of America, who destroyed our lives unnecessarily for two years, who I would say personally cost America hundreds of thousands of lives, who we now know covered up the Wuhan leak theory. He should not have been there for 30 or 40 years. 
he should have been out long before that. So term limits on bureaucrats and staffers. We're talking about scope and jurisdiction limitations on the federal government. By that, I mean saying, no, you can't be involved in education. No, you can't be involved in energy. No, you can't be involved in healthcare. No, you can't be involved in agriculture. These are things the federal government was never intended to do. They have usurped those powers. The Supreme Court has allowed them to do it, and we need to push back. The states handle all of those things themselves. Some states more than others, some states less than others. That's really what federalism is all about. That's the idea that we are self-governing people living in self-governing states that come together for a limited amount of things, constitutionally enumerated powers. Those are the things we do together. Everything else left to the people in the states. That's what the amendments are really going to be about. I appreciate your questions. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate your birthday wishes for me and Winston this week. Uh, we, I guarantee you, have had a great birthday week. Thanks in large measure to you guys. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you on the road in North Carolina, and I'll see you next week on The Battle Cry. This has been the podcast version of The Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. Visit conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. Thank you for listening.